Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the plates of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I also have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It's the word of God. Amen. Good morning. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready over here? Okay. Yes? Most people, when I talk to people in the crowd, they think I'm not talking to them, but I actually am talking to you. Uh, you know, uh, so before we go into the message today, I just want to give you a little warning. Uh, so, you know, um, I prepare, obviously we prepare throughout the week, and um, I do what I can, and then, uh, you know, the Lord uh, just... You know, he just gives me a curveball, and basically, everything has uh, changed uh, since this morning. So, it's going to be a little rough, I think. Uh, so, you really have to follow along uh, today's message to really understand it. So, because uh, I don't know if I'm going to be as clear as I want to be, as I uh, normally try to be, and usually, normally, I'm not even that clear. So, today, you really have to be very careful and listen carefully throughout the message. Amen? Amen? Yeah, you can say amen. It's okay. Amen? Yeah, I, li I honestly, I really like the, uh, the response from uh, the congregation because I feel like, I don't want you to feel like you're watching the show. This is not a show. Maybe even people at home, you might think this is, but no. I really desire the responses as I'm responding as well, and we're really bringing this up to God. Amen? Amen. amen. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for giving us this morning. Lord, I just pray, uh, yeah, your Holy Spirit will work through my lips and that your children would hear your voice here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> uh, life, life uh, is like a box of chocolate. 
uh, you never know what you're going to get. Have you heard that before? Okay, good. Okay. That's all the older people know that one. <laughs> this is a quote uh, that I think many of us know. It is a famous quote from one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies. Uh, it's called Forrest Gump. Uh, I think it came out in 1994. So 1994. Uh, I think some of you were born after 1994 who are sitting here. But uh, yeah, Forrest Gump, one of my favorite movies of all time. The movie, Forrest Gump, starts off from uh, the very beginning um, with a white feather, if you remember. It's a white feather that floats around the air, and it's, it's blowing in the wind, right, with a little bit of, mu of music in the background, uh, and it floats here and there from the wind, and it ends up falling and resting on the suitcase of Forrest Gump, of his suitcase. It's a story of the suitcase, of the journey and life of Forrest Gump. Very, very intentional beginning there, right? And Forrest there takes that feather that fell on his suitcase and he places that feather in his book. And that's how the movie begins. It is a scene that many of us uh, overlook, but it is, as I just mentioned, very symbolic and very telling of the story of life of life. And the movie actually ends at the very end of the movie with Forrest giving that book to his son, where you will see that the same feather from the beginning of the movie falls out of the book and it floats away into the sky. And that scene serves as a book end to the movie, a full circle. All right. Very clever. I think it's a very clever way. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you really do. And it's very telling and insightful to the story of not only Forrest Gump, but our lives. Once again, if you've seen the movie, and I hope you do, but most of us probably do not relate to or with the main character, Forrest Gump. Right? Most of us probably don't relate with Forrest Gump. Right? The movie doesn't tell us what is wrong or what was wrong with Forrest, but many assume uh, that he may have been slightly autistic, maybe, all right? or had some kind of slight mental or development, developmental disorder. Yeah, for me, the character that I related with the most uh, in Forrest Gump is actually uh, Jenny. Anyone know Jenny? Right? Jenny. 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 Forrest was very... Consistent. You understand? He was a very constant kind of guy all throughout his life. Very consistent kind of guy. Even when his life circumstances changed dramatically, all right, the whole world was changing around him. He's going through very, very historically important events uh, around him. But Forrest didn't change at all from the beginning to the end. And the same went for his love for Jenny. For his love for Jenny. Ever since they were young, Forrest fell in love with Jenny as they were young. And you know that famous scene right in the bus? Can't sit here, can't sit here. And then he goes and he sits next to Jenny. But Jenny, uh, coming from an abusive home, a broken family, she could not accept that somebody could love, actually love her as Forrest loved her. And so she would constantly, all throughout the movie, run away 
from Forrest. And just, you know, just he, he was not part of her life. All throughout uh, their lives, Jenny was running away and living carelessly, lost, being pulled into life of sex and the life of drugs. But Forrest was unchanging. He does not change. And he continued to wait for Jenny. And one of the greatest scenes of that movie was when after Jenny just lived that life, tired and exhausted, that wild and crazy life that she lived, she finally comes home to Forrest. And I remember watching that scene, that part of the movie, again, when I was in my 20s, when I was really struggling with my life, and I was completely lost. But I watched that scene, lost, just like Jenny was lost. And when that scene came up, I started to cry. Just, just, I was bawling, right? Just tears coming down, uh, crying a lot, <laughs> Jenny, right? And I knew why I was crying. I knew why that scene was affecting me so much. She finally found uh, stability, you understand? She found stability from being in a whirlwind of changes in her life. She finally came to a place where she could now stand on solid ground. Right? Stand on solid ground. She finally found where she needed to be. Where she should have been, but where she needed to be. Where now she could live the rest of her life. Though it's a sad, sad ending of the movie. Not in guilt. No more. Not in shame, not running away anymore, but with someone who is constant, someone who is consistent in love and in life, someone who does not change. Okay? So I hope you watch that. Listen, brothers and sisters, the reason why I'm telling you this, uh, this illustration or this story is you know what's going on in our world today right now. Right? A lot of things are constantly changing, and they are changing not slowly. They are changing extremely fast. Many of us are feeling lost. We're, 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 we are just chasing and chasing is how I feel. I, I feel like I'm trying to get on top of things, but on top of things is, is at, least, at least being at the tail of things, right? And we are exhausted. You'd think that when everything is kind of closed or well, things are opening up, but everything is still vir you know, virtual. You don't have to be in person, but you're all the more busier, no? Right? It's not just me, is it? Because uh, I know that as pastors, we're extremely busy, and I'm assuming you are as well, right? And we are, we, I know people who are burning out because of this situation that we are in, right? From the life that we're living. Like, especially parents. I'm a parent, right? With, our, with two kids going to school. I don't know how to work this thing. I'm trying to figure it out. They're telling me I have to get some password or some that password over here. I don't know how to use this thing, right? And we're just so exhausted, constantly trying to keep up with the changes of this world. Changes in what? In our society, in our workplaces, in our schools, and even in our homes and our family. And it seems that we do not have the time to stop and think for just a moment, what are you doing with your life? You understand? You're constantly running and running, trying to chase after and trying to keep up and catch up to these things. What are you doing with your life? I'm asking that question to myself. What are you doing with your life? Do you know where you are right now? Do you know where you're standing? Are you standing? 
Or are you going in circles? Are you exhausted and you've fallen down and you can't get up? And I believe that God, and listen carefully, God is trying to, and I know he is, he's trying to get our attention. Amen? He's trying to get your attention to stop and think, to stop and see that everything that we depended on, everything that we were building on up, to, up, up till now is burning up. It's crumbling down. And we are burning out. Burning out. And if you think that God has been silent in your life up to this point, if you think God is silent, well, he's not silent anymore. God is not silent right now. This pandemic that we are in is a wake-up call for us all. Wake up for us all. It is God telling us to wake up and smell the coffee. I'm going to say it in another way. This pandemic is the burning bush. Is the burning bush as Moses saw at the west side of Mount Horeb. Do you see it? It's okay because I'm going to show you. Listen, just as you know the story very well, I'm just going to give you a little summary. Moses wasn't always a lowly shepherd, as we just read in, that, in our pericope or our passage today, right? He's not, he wasn't just a shepherd all his life in the hill countryside of uh, Midian, right? Moses was a Hebrew, yes, and he, say, he was saved from death when he was a child, and he was saved from the life of slavery. We know that. He was raised by who? The, well, his mother, but by the princess of Egypt as a prince for how long? 40 years of his life. But Moses knew as he was growing up, because he was raised by his own mother, Moses knew his Hebrew roots. And as he was growing up, he saw with his eyes, he felt it uh, with, his, with his everything, that there is injustice going on. Injustice, kind of like what we're feeling in our world today. Right? Injustice of what was happening to his people. Right? His people were slaves. And he saw how his people were being treated. And so he tried to take things into his own hand. And I like what we see in our world today. And he probably thought that this is what I was born to do. This is what my mother was teaching me. This is what I'm born to do. And when he took things into his own hands to bring justice in the midst of injustice, he, what did he do? He killed a man. He murdered an Egyptian. And so he ended up not saving his people, not bringing a change into the, into the Egyptian uh, uh, system. But he was running away into the wilderness where, of course, he met his wife, we know, and he started a family, and he lived there for another 40 years in Midian under the roof of his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, you can imagine, no, I don't know, I can. Can you imagine what was going on in Moses' mind at that time? Right? He just killed somebody. He's running away. What is he? He must have thought. I mean, millions of thoughts, right? It's probably his whole life flashing before his eyes. But where is the God of my people? No? Where is the God that my mother taught me when I was young? Where is this God? Why would he let this God, who is merciful, who is just, 
Why would he let my people be in slavery for how long? 400 years. 400. Not 40 years. 400 years of slavery. 400 plus years of slavery. And so for 40 years, Moses is basically living as a runaway fugitive. Right? He can never go back to Egypt, right? Moses was living in hiding. And he tried, and he was pretty successful, to start his life over again. Until one day. Here comes our passage. As Moses was leading the flock of sheep, it's not even his, it's of his father-in-law's sheep, to the west side of the wilderness near Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, he notices a bush that was burning. A bush that was burning. But the bush that was burning was not what? Being consumed by the fire. It wasn't burning up. Right? Now, burning bushes, as I'm sure you know, if you've done any, you know, if you've been going to church all your life, are pretty common, are not uncommon in that area. It happens once in a while, right? Because of the dryness and the heat and the sun. Kind of like if you lived in California, you would know exactly what I'm talking about, right? These brush fires, these wildfires that happen. But what was obviously not common was that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. The bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. It wasn't being consumed. And so as Moses, uh, obviously curious, like wouldn't you be curious, right? Uh, would you be like, <laughs> actually, I don't know. I think I'd be scared. <laughs> I'd be scared and run away. But Moses, I was like, you know, he's curious. So he goes and what? He checks out, goes to this burning bush. Check it out. All of a sudden, as he's going to check this burning bush out, he hears from out of the burning bush someone calling out his name. Moses. Moses. And Moses says, uh, uh, here I am. <laughs> it's just, when I read that, it's just kind of funny. Like, oh, okay, uh, I'm here. <laughs> here I am. And the Lord says, and we know this is the Lord because the Bible tells us this. It says, do not come near. Take your sandals off for the place where you're standing is what? Holy ground, right? You're standing, that's where it's holy ground. For I am, and I am is so important, isn't it? I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. All right, this, oh, that's so good right there. And I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. This is God telling Moses, right? And I have come down, he says, to deliver them, to save them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Yeah. Now that really sounds good, doesn't it? It really does sound good, and it is a truly amazing and miraculous supernatural event that is happening right there. Okay. But for me, for me, as I was reading this, as I was meditating on this, it was more than amazing. It totally blew my mind. It blew my mind. My heart was in a million pieces. This past week, I also had uh, an opportunity to preach uh, at our early morning service, which I do once a month on the first Wednesday of every month. So just once a month I get to preach uh, in Korean, which is really difficult for me, but I preach in Korean uh, once a month. And the passage that I had was Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 to 36. 
Genesis 37, verses 18 to 36. Now, Genesis 37, 18 to 36, it's a, well, it's, well, first of all, it's a passage that is given to us, like to every day, uh, your pastor, we rotate it, and uh, it's a fixed passage, all right? The passage that I received, this narrative, the story, is on Joseph, okay? Joseph. We all know Joseph now. And Joseph, in that passage, was being sold into slavery by who? By his own brothers, his own brother sold uh, Joseph to slavery. Now, that's such a sad story. And I know you know the story very well once again. But when Joseph was sold into slavery, where did he end up? Hmm? He ended up in Egypt. Okay? He ended up in Egypt. Stay with me. I told you, it's going to get all over the place. We need to stay here. He ended up in Egypt. And he ended up in Egypt not because his brother sold him to slavery, although that's what happened. Yeah, we see that in the narrative. We hear about it. But ultimately, we know it was because God sent Joseph to save his family. Right? Save his family from what? From famine that is about to come. Right? I hope you know that story. If you don't, you better go back and read it. And Joseph himself confesses this. He tells his brothers this with his own lips. Fear not, right? God has sent me before you, right? And we can read that in the Bible. And so it was really a story uh, about God's salvation, right? That story is about God's salvation, but it's also, in addition to, also a story of how the Hebrew people ended up in Egypt, right? How they ended up in Egypt was that story, Genesis 37. And from then on, as they are in Egypt now with Joseph and his family, his brothers, they were there for how long? 400 plus years. And majority of that 400 years was in slavery. Okay? And now our passage today is basically after the 400 plus years in slavery. You see the connection? Yeah, this is, this is elementary stuff. If you don't get it, then you, sh you need to go home and read your Bible. Okay? Moses now is meeting the Lord at the burning bush. And that was, uh, well, for me, not intentional. I personally, when I was preparing this message, I just wanted to talk about the burning bush. That's all I wanted to talk about today. Uh, but the Lord had completely taken me in another direction. So here, today's passage is also a story about God's salvation. Right? I mean, God just told Moses what in our passage today, that through, right, through the burning bush, he told him that he heard their cries. And so he will now, what, deliver them. He will save them. But if you think, as you hear that, just a little bit deeper, not just on the surface level, who brought the Hebrew people into Egypt? It was God. It was God. And how did he do that, remember? It was through Joseph being sold into slavery. Now why would God allow Joseph be sold into slavery? And there's so much there. But I'm going to share with you three main reasons. Really quick. Why would God do that? First, 
to save Joseph and his family from the famine. Easy. To save his family from the famine. Second, and this one is a little bit trickier, but you know it if, you're, if you read it, to show that Joseph is a type of Christ through that story or a foreshadow of the coming of Jesus Christ, right? You read that story in Genesis 37 and beyond, but 37 just right there, you can see Jesus' life through Joseph as Joseph is a shadow of the coming of Christ, right? Third, here's the third one. And I want you to remember what I just said there. Here's a big one. You have to, the third reason, you have to go back from Genesis 37 even further into, past, into the past and into Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Oh, Genesis 15. From Exodus is where we are today to Genesis 37 going back into the past, Joseph's story, and now going to Genesis 15 even further back into the past in Genesis 15 verses 13 and 14. All right, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you just got to believe me now and listen carefully. Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14, there while God is making a covenant, that's a very important uh, chapter there, with Abraham, while God is making a promise with Abraham and telling him that his descendants would be as many as how many? As the stars in the sky. That's what he promises Abraham, okay? Now, this is what he says in the midst of that covenant. He says, this is what he says to Abram. Then the Lord said to Abram, look, know for certain, you better know it, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants or slaves there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. This is not in Exodus. This is in Genesis 15. Are you with me? And he says, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, Egypt, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And you know that story. Now what is God talking about to Abraham as I just continued to like, sh you know, uh, share with you and uh, the, the obvious point? He's talking about the 400 years of slavery in Egypt to Abraham. Hundreds of years before. And God tells Abraham that God will save them and they will come out with great possession. In other words, and this is what I'm trying to get at. In other words, ah, oh, this is God knew all this beforehand. Okay, this is this is God's plan. You understand? This is God's plan, and God's plan does not change. He does not change change yes okay and going back even further from genesis 15 and even further back if we go back to genesis chapter 1 2 and 3 we know it you will see that ultimately god's plan as we're going back to see it is to bring salvation since the fall of adam and eve because of sin from the beginning do you see that and this tells me that god even though we may look at it and go, what's going on in our world today? This is crazy. It's chaos. It's out of control. God is in full control. Amen. Do you see it? God has always been in full control. And this also tells me something very important. That God was never silent. 
He was never silent. A lot of people say that God was silent for 400 plus years. That's what people say. And I grew, I, and I grew up listening to that and, and believing that up until this morning. This morning. That's silent. God is not silent. When we say silent, what, what, do, what do you think about? That God is far away. That God, God doesn't care. He's indifferent about the situation. That God is confused. No. God spoke. He told us through his word. And this is not just in our passage, but our day today. From Malachi to the book of Matthew, they say 400 years. God is silent. No. God is not silent. This is all part of his plan, and he has spoken it through his word. And what was going to happen? He knows exactly what he is doing. Amen? He's in full control. But that's not all. Coming back to our passage today, the Lord says to Moses, oh, I am the God of your father, the God of uh, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he says. Now, why is God telling Moses this? Like, this is how he's introducing himself to Moses. Is he just telling Moses that, hey, you know, I am the God of your family? Okay, maybe, yeah, yeah. And he's maybe saying, I am the God of the generations. Yes and yes, that's all true. But here in our passage today, God is telling Moses and God is telling you and I, us here, that he is the same God yesterday as the same God today. Do you see it? Yeah, that's what blew my mind. More to come. That blew my mind. God does not change. He is the immutable God. Immutable God. God is unchanging. God does not get old like we do, like we lose our hair and lose our teeth, right? Or our bodies sag. God does not get older. He is eternal. He is absolute. He is perfect. God's attributes do not change. He was, he is, and he is to come. He is the God of your father. He is the God of Abraham. He is the God of Isaac. And he's the God of Jacob. And he is the same God today. Hallelujah. Same God today. And this immutable God is right now in a mutable bush. And that mutable bush is on fire. Yet it is not being consumed. And that tells me something even crazier that it's not being consumed. Jesus, as I mentioned to you about, you know, about Joseph being the foreshadow of Christ. Jesus, right? Being the foreshadow of Christ, Joseph's life. I know exactly who is in that burning bush. I know exactly who is in that burning bush as Moses was talking. I know exactly who Moses is meeting right there. God tells Moses that he is the what? I am. He says, I am. Who I am. I am the I am, he tells him. And over a thousand years later, Jesus responds. Jesus, a thousand years later, Jesus responds to the accusations against him. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, wow, yes, before Abraham was, I am. That's what Jesus says. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus says, I am. 
I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Oh. <laughs> Listen, are you still not convinced that through the burning bush, that this is Jesus Christ, the I am? I'm going to say it in another way then. I'm going to say it in another way. You said yes, but I'm going to say it in a way because some people at home are probably saying, I'm not sure. I'm going to say it in another way. God is a consuming fire. Consuming fire. If you see him, you will burn up. You will burn up. We are sinners. We are sinful. Down to the deepest roots, we have sinful nature, right? And when, if we see God, we will disintegrate. Why? Because God is holy. God is righteous. God is perfect. And if we come near that perfect, holy, and righteous God, we would not be able to stand. We would die for eternity in hell because of our sin. Moses, we know from a story, he couldn't even see God's face couldn't see it, but God made a way. God made a way by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world wrapped in flesh, born as a man, yet the body was not consumed. That is the incarnation of God. The body was not consumed. Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, yet the fire came and did not consume the bush. Wow. <laughs> the immutable God, the immutable God in a mutable bush, yet the fire did not consume it. And that's so crazy because that's the God who lives in me. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross for my sins, your sins, he was buried, right? But on the third day, he resurrected from the grave. He came alive. And when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. We know that story like a mighty rushing wind as tongues of fire, fire. And now, for those of you who believe in Jesus, those of us who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are mutable body, yes, but the immutable God lives in us. You will not be consumed. You will not be consumed but you will have eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in the midst of a fast and changing world, everything is shaking. Foundations upside down. Through this pandemic, the unchanging God, the immutable God is calling you. Yes, he's calling you. He's calling you. The burning bush, the pandemic, is just to get your attention. It's just to get your attention. Are you tired? 
Are you weary? Are you exhausted? Like, I know I can get like I am. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Amen. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And the fire of the Holy Spirit will never burn out. Never burn out. You will not be consumed, but have eternal life. Ah, that's this morning. Amen. That's this morning that God has given. Come on up. Come, to the, come up to the stage, our, our praise team. Oh, man. While they're setting up, because they take forever setting up, right? They take forever. They take their time. Let, let's take this time to pray while they're setting up. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us here today. I know you're tired. I can see it in your eyes. Even through virtually. I can see it right now at home. You need to come before Christ. He says, come to me all who are weary and who are, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give us rest. Jesus is calling us as the burning bush. The burning bush is to grab our attention. Let's pray. Let's lift up our prayers to him right now. Let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, yes, thank you for what you have done. Lord God, we know from the very beginning you have planned the salvation plan. When Adam and Eve have fallen from sin and every person born since then and then born in sin, God, you knew and you made a way. You made that promise from the beginning. Yet, Lord, we are forgetful. We forget about that. We turn our eyes away from you and we live the way we want to live. But, God, you are calling us from the burning bush and you are telling us again, reminding us, God, Lord, to look back and to see what you have done for us, that your one and only Son, Jesus, has come and died for us on the cross because of our sins and did not stay in the grave but resurrected, came alive, went up into heaven and sent your wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit, upon all of your sons and daughters today. Lord, we shall not be consumed because you live in us. Lord, you tabernacle over us. You live in us. You are with us through it all. That even though we're in the midst of a pandemic, and yes, there are many people who are in fear, there are many things turned upside down. But God, we stand on solid ground because the Holy Spirit, you are with us. You are in us today and you will move us forward to the very end. For we know that we will not perish but have eternal life. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes.